So open your Bibles this morning to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to look at the 29th proverb and the 18th verse. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Amen. Aren't you glad for our worship leaders and folks that come early? Amen. On a spring forward Sunday, let's give them a big hand. That's a great blessing. Thank you so much, PT, all of you. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, or keepeth the word, happy is he. Now, one translation of Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, people run wild and have no restraint. That is, without a vision. Another translation says, If people can't see what God is doing, it's important for us to be able to have spiritual understanding about what God is doing in our lives and what He desires to do through our lives. But if people cannot see what God is doing, and He's doing some good things, He's doing some great things, They stumble all over themselves. In other words, they don't know where they're going, so they're stumbling around, just kind of going through life, coasting. But when they attend to what He reveals, when we pay attention to the revelation that He gives us, when we pay attention to His plan, His purpose, and His vision for our life, Thank God we are most blessed. We are most blessed. So, vision. Vision is seeing the invisible. And it is making it visible. One person said it this way. If you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. A gentleman that has the largest church in the world said this. He says, show me your vision and I will show you your future. Somebody says, well, how do I know that my vision, that my dream is from God? Well, number one, if your dream captures your imagination and inspires you and motivates you, then it's most likely a vision from God. If it seems like it's impossible and you're unable to fulfill it on your own, then it's most likely a vision from God. One person said it this way, God has never given us anything that is possible to do. That's Gloria Copeland. Number three, if it seems as though it will never come to pass, but you are willing to give up on it, then your vision is from God. Number four, If not everybody is is as enthusiastic about your vision as you are, it's most likely from God. Number five, if you've experienced resistance, setbacks, difficulties, and sometimes frustration over it, then it's probably a dream or a vision from God. Number six, if it seems to consume your thinking... And it just gets bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. It is from God. And then number seven, if it defines and shapes your life, 
then it's most likely a dream from God. So what does a vision do in the local church? Vision from God gives us both guidance and focus. And when a vision is from the Lord, it will always have to do with rescuing perishing people. You see, God uses vision to bring clarity, to bring unity, and to harness our potential as the family of God here in the local church. So I want to take the word vision and I want to make a principle or show a principle for every letter. Number one, V. Vision reveals what you value as significant and important. Here at Heart of the Bay, we value people. And why do we value people? Because God loves people. And people matter to God. And therefore, people matter to us. We want everyone that walks through these doors to know God. We want them to come into an intimate fellowship and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have core values in this church, many of them. Worship, family, prayer, serving, community, and on and on and on. Our vision is basically three letters, R-H-M. Reaching and healing and maturing. You see, in John three sixteen and 17, and I want you to chime in and read it with me. It'll do you good. Ready, read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Dear brothers and sisters, the fields are white for harvest right now. Oswald Chambers said this, The church that does not evangelize will fossilize. Paul instructed us to do the work of an evangelist. That does not necessarily mean that you're going to go knocking on doors and that you're going to be on the street with our evangelism team. But that means every one of us are called into the marketplace. Every one of us are have to, to have relationships where we can live our lives in such a way that people will be hungry for what we have. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. We are about healing the hurting. Not only do we want people to know God, but we want people to find freedom. We breathe, eat, and sleep the fact that Jesus came to set the captives free. And we want everyone in this ministry to find freedom. Freedom from sickness. Freedom from grief, freedom from addictions, freedom, freedom from all sorts of things that bring us down. Right at the end of what on earth am I here for in the month of April, 
we're going to be doing something called grief share because grief is something that grabs hold of people and God wants us to be free from grief. We are here to see to it that believers are matured in maturing the believer. And I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, the number one way that we mature is through the Word of God. It is, in fact, the pathway to discipleship and is, in fact, the pathway to liberty. Jesus said to those Jews in John 8, 31 and 32, If you continue in my word, then what are you? You are my disciples indeed. It's not just getting in the word, but it's staying in the word. And notice what happened in verse 32. When we take discipleship and maturity seriously, we shall know the truth. Come on, somebody. And the truth shall make us free. It's the pathway to discipleship and freedom. It's the key to answered prayer. In John 15, 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. God's word is the pathway to healing. For he said in Psalm 107, verse 20, that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. God's word is our guide in a dark place, in a dark world. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, and it is a light unto my path. You see, God's word blesses us, and strengthens us, and builds us up, and gives us an inheritance. God's word is our food for faith. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. God's Word is essential to spiritual growth. But not only that, it is our sword of the Spirit. That when we face spiritual battles, we can take it and we can put the devil on the run. Thank you, Lord. And then I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse 16 and 17, God's word equips us for every good work. Notice this. The word of God is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable. See, what you're doing this morning on this time change is profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect or grow and mature, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So we mature, and when we do mature, we grow in His plan and in His purpose for our lives. I want everybody that comes through these doors not only to know God and to find freedom, But I desire everybody to discover their purpose. To discover their design. And through the word of God. And through fellowship and in being in an environment like this. You can grow. You can discover God's plan and purpose for your life. 
I believe this, folks, that you and I have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Never was there a time to be alive like there is in 2019. I believe we're coming to the end of an age. But before the end of this age closes, God's going to show up and show out in a way that our minds cannot even comprehend. You see, God has the ability to do the exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to the glorious power of God that's at work within us. I want you to live your life in such a way that when you see Jesus, you're going to hear well done, not undone or not well. What is your vision? I want you to make an impact on the world in which you live. Know him. Find freedom. Discover your purpose. And then make an impact. Be a world changer. And you can do that by joining the dream team. You see, every one of you have a supply of the Spirit to bring. All of us have a call to bring their supply and to serve the Lord with sadness. Is that what the Bible says? Does the Bible say serve the Lord with sadness? My Bible says serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. Somebody said, well, Pastor Mark, I've been serving for so many years. I'll be honest with you. It's okay to be honest. I'll just be honest with you. I've just lost the joy of serving. It kind of seems like that I've been just kind of going through the motions and man I don't know it's it's not like it was when I first got saved it's not like it was 10 15 20 years ago or 10 15 16 months ago I heard a statement the other day that'll help you in this case listen to this when you begin once again to rejoice in the God who called you you will begin once again to rejoice in what your God has called you to do. Hallelujah. We cannot serve the Lord with gladness without being glad in the Lord. And so I think what we need to do is we need to work on the rejoicing part. The rejoicing part of being a born-again Christian. The rejoicing part of being saved, filled with the Spirit, and full of the Word of God. Oh, many of there have been the days where I've had to stir myself up in the joy of the Lord. And every time I do, I come up with a new fire and a new vim and a new vigor to honor God and to serve Him. Say it with me, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm going to read that statement again. When you begin once again to rejoice in the God who called you, you will begin once again to rejoice in what your God has called you to do. And when you get to that point, not only will you serve the Lord with gladness, but listen very carefully, you will also serve Him with a spirit of excellence. You see, I am doing my very best to preach to you my very best. 
whether it be 30 people here or 3,000 people here, what you see is what you get. I'm not holding back anything from you because we're fewer in numbers. Because that does not honor God and it's not excellence. Excellence requires you and me to do our very best with the abilities that He's given us. We're not talking about perfection here. There's no one perfect here. But we're all called to put our hand to the plow and say, this is God's business. This is God's church. And I refuse to have this attitude. Well, I can show up late or I can just be here when I want to be here. No, we must stir ourselves up and serve Him with a spirit of excellence. And like Elvis says, thank you very much. Our core value... One of them is we believe that excellence honors God and it inspires people. I, in vision, stands for investment. You see, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What we value, we will invest in. An investment of our time, our talents, and our treasures. An investment of our prayer. You know, there's a store down in Orange County that sells dog treats. And the dog treats are as expensive as cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory. And people are lined up down the street. Why? They're investing in their pets because they value their pets. One person died and left their dog $12 million. But you and I are investing in the thing that is nearest to God's heart. Reaching precious souls and helping them grow in the Word. That is why not only we do support local community ministries, but we support ministries around the world. And S stands for speech. You see, vision gives you and us a common language. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says this, that we should all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among us, that we may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You see, friends, unity has a lot to do with our speech and what we say. And what we say reveals that we are in sync with one another. And it releases great, great power. I want us to look quickly at Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. It says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. What were they doing? They were saying the same thing. And they said, Let's build a city and a tower that can reach to heaven. And let's make us a name, lest we be scattered all over the earth. Verse 5. And the Lord came down to see what was up, to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And here's what the Lord said in verse 6. Behold, the people is one, and they all have one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing 
will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. This is God's own testimony. And in verse 7, he said, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build. My dear brothers and sisters, never underestimate the power of unified language. How much more can a group of born-again, spirit-filled, faith-talking, divine healing, tongue-talking believers accomplish if we'll just align our speech with the vision of God's house. That's why we put together little pamphlets called Saying the Same Thing to get us to pray the vision and to say the vision. You know, Jesus said, you can have what you say. But it's not just an individual faith of a pastor and a few people in a core group. It should be the faith of all of us. Say it with me, the faith of all of us. Now you all know this. The death and life are where is where. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You see, the words... You and I choose to speak as a habit of life will determine the fruit that will be eventually produced in our lives. Amen? So, words are seeds. And words produce a harvest. Words are seeds. And when they fall into the soil of a person's heart, they will eventually grow up. The question I have for you is what kind of words are you speaking over your life? What kind of words are you speaking over your children? What kind of words are you speaking over this nation? What kind of words are you speaking over your church? It ought to be faith-filled words. Because it is true that faith-filled words will dominate the laws of sin and death. Fear-filled words will open up the door for the law of sin and death. But you and I, we have the privilege of saying what he said. Didn't he say that he would never leave us nor forsake us? Now because he said that, we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper. Now listen very carefully. Vision comes from hearing from heaven. And when a pastor and a group of people hear from heaven and determine what his vision is for the church, it is a word for us. It's a word for us to believe. It's a word for us to activate through our actions. And it is a word for us to speak. Somebody say amen. Amen. And then the next I stands for inspiration. Everyone say inspiration. inspiration. You see, when we invest in what we value, and we talk about it with enthusiasm, and we unify our speech, it will inspire people. 
It'll inspire people. I get inspired by what I see God doing at Heart of the Bay. I get inspired when I see people growing. I get inspired when I see backpack outreaches with people lined up down Hesperian Boulevard to come and receive a gift from the church. I get inspired when I hear the reports that a hundred or so people get born again in the month of August on our parking lot from our community. It inspires me. It inspires me when I hear testimonies of people healed by the power of God. It will inspire me on the day of Pentecost. In 2019, when many people get filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in a heavenly language. I eat and I breathe and I sleep and I wake up with vision in my bones. And the devil can't knock it out of me. He's tried to, but he can't do it. Glory to God. And for you and me, you and I, are going up higher. We're about our daddy's business. And so vision, it inspires. The truth is, we are a part of something way bigger than ourselves. That's what we live for. God's called us to be co-laborers with him in the greatest, most important enterprise this old world has ever, ever seen. He came to earth. He gave his life. He walked about and healed and fed and raised the dead. And then he gave his life as a ransom for all. But on the third day, he rose up. And that is inspiring. You see, once you catch the vision of what he's done and the incalculable the incalculable value that he places on one precious soul it will inspire to, to action how many of you have ever seen the movie Schindler's List that's a handful of you but Schindler's List is a, a true story and Schindler was a businessman who saved over a thousand mostly Polish Jewish immigrants from the Holy Holocaust by employing them in their factories. And at the end of Schindler's List, there's a very poignant, quite provocative scene where he's surrounded by all these Jewish men and women whose lives he saved. And suddenly he breaks out into tears. And he says, I could have done more. I could have done more. I could have seized the opportunity to help more. He felt like that he hadn't done enough. And this is especially moving when you think of it in terms of what God has called us to do. We could do more. Could we do better? We're not talking about perfection. But can we reach more? Yes. Can we serve more? Yes. Can we give more? Yes. Can we tell more people about Jesus? Yes. Work while it is yet day. For the night is coming. And the last two letters are O-N. Everyone say O-N. O-N. To have vision for your individual life. 
And to have vision for a local church, there are two components to this. O-N. Number one, we must be on target. On target. On target. There have been many times where people have come up with some great ideas and, and things that God, uh, you know, uh, the things that people think that God is leading me to do as a pastor, but there's no more leading me to do it than I landed on Mars 10 minutes ago. And I say that with respect, but one of the things that I am is I am a guardian of the vision here. We are not going to do a bunch of good things. What we want to do is the God things. Come on, preach that, somebody. Amen, Pastor Mark. Good preaching. You see, on target keeps us, vision keeps us on target. There's a million good things we could do, but vision keeps the main thing central to our focus. Say it with me, vision enables me to stay focused. In business life, it's true. Sometimes people just have an award-winning product and it's just selling by the millions and millions and millions and then they add all these little stupid products next to it. And they invest their time and their energy and millions of dollars on products that aren't coming off the shelf. Duh! Get them off the shelf and keep them off the shelf and stick with the one thing that you know is working. Come on, somebody. Amen. Don't allow yourself in life to get so scattered with all these things. How many of you know there's a lot of voices out there in the world? And that's why at the intersections of life and at the crossroads of life, we need to make sure that we tune those voices out. Tune out the voice of the world. Tune out the voice of the flesh and tune in to heaven's voice. So vision helps us to stay on target. And then vision, hallelujah, helps us to stay on fire. Everyone say fire. fire. Let's say it like we mean it. Fire. fire. What kind of fire? I'm talking about Holy Ghost fire. In Revelation chapter 3, let's look over there. Thank you, Lord. Everyone just start praising Him for a minute. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Let's look it over at Revelation 3, 15 and 16. Amen. Fire. I got a fire burning in me. How about you? The call of God that he's placed on the inside of, us, of you should be just like fire shut up in your bones. Can I be on fire and be an usher? You better be on fire if you're an usher. Can I be on fire and work in the parking lot? You better be on fire. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, let's read it with, a, with me. Ready, read. I know thy works, 
that thou art neither cold. So we see from this verse that it is God's will for us to be one or the other. Amen? Now notice the next verse. So then, read it. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. Now that's what God said. So I see from that, we see from that, that he wants us to be passionate. And I also see from that that cold is better than lukewarm. See, a cold person knows that they're far from God. At least they're being honest. But lukewarm people, they just go through the motions. And I think sometimes in Christianity, it's easy to lose fire. Those that are lukewarm have lost the fire. Perhaps they've gotten away from the on-fire crowd and are just hanging out with a bunch of dead, old, cold coals. But that's not us. I said, that's not us. I thought the response might be just a little bit more enthusiastic. I said, that's not us. What do you say we be on fire? Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. And the definition of passion is a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. And that's why Revelation 12, 11 says, be aglow with the Spirit. Be aglow with the Spirit. And then lastly, before we pray over our vision list, turn with me to 2 Timothy 1, 6. In the Amplified Version. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. So we're not going to run wild. We're not running wild around here. It's just not anything goes. It's the will of God be done. Put your hand over your heart and say, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In my life. And in the church that you have called me into. This is a verse of scripture that I need to remind myself of regularly. Just because I'm gifted doesn't mean that the gift that I have automatically flows. And just because you're gifted doesn't mean the gift that God has given you will reach its full potential. It's possible to allow it to lie dormant. Or it is also possible for preachers and people in the pew because they are gifted to sort of glide on their giftedness and not pay attention to it. Right? And then that means we just end up kind of going through the motions. Now notice this. Let's read it together. Ready, read. That is why... I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. Hallelujah.
Years ago, I was in a meeting in Minneapolis. I pastored in Minneapolis for a season. The church that Brenda and I pastored is now known as Living Word Christian Center, pastored by Mac and Lynn Hammond that has thousands and thousands of people, and their reach is just absolutely awesome. We were back there at one time, and Kenneth Copeland was there, and he told the story that when the Joy of the Lord movement was real strong and things were happening, I don't know if you, any of you have ever been in Brother Hagin's Holy Ghost meetings. Anybody ever been in one of Rodney Howard Brown's meetings? I mean, the joy of the Lord. And Brother Copeland wasn't feeling it. Matter of fact, he wasn't feeling it at all. So he took that verse and he said, I'm stirred up now. I'm stirred up in the joy of the Lord. What was he doing? He was declaring that he stirred up. Amen? Amen. So if you're not stirred up, start saying, I'm stirred up now. The fire of God is helping me today. In Jesus' name. Would you get anything out of this today?